It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by New York Lottery. So glad you could join us today. Paul Dottino and Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegel's with you. Our phone number is 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. You can also go to Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. And later on, you can find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere at a giants.com slash podcasts mr fiegels there mm. is one game left mm. in the regular season and the giants are still alive for the playoffs <laughs> yes yes i mean i would have taken that three or four months ago if you told me that so i will take it with one week left to go uh so you're saying there's a chance that, exactly uh, that's that what is- we're saying and for, for those of you who have been sleeping for the last 24 hours and, you know, maybe you just had too many Thanksgiving leftovers still hanging around a month later, wow. or yeah. maybe you were drinking eggnog a little bit too much over the course of the Christmas holiday, uh, the situation is as follows. The Giants will host the Dallas Cowboys at 1 o'clock on Sunday. The primetime Sunday NBC game, which has been flexed into Sunday night football, is going to be the Washington Red Team and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, it's really very simple. The winner of the Giants-Dallas game is still alive. They go into primetime needing Philadelphia to knock off Washington to capture the playoff bid. Philadelphia is the only one of the three teams in the NFC East that has been eliminated. Should Washington win, it does not matter what happens earlier in the day, they will claim the NFC East with a 7-9 and nine record. Again, if they should not win, the Dallas Giants victor becomes the NFC mm. East champion and has the number four seed, which at the moment would play the number five at home, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I don't believe they're locked into that number five spot at the moment. John, I know you're producing with us today. I don't know if you've got any details on that. I don't think Tampa is locked into the five as of yet. Do you have your khakis on? I, I, I don't have that in front of me. Um, I do not have my Kornacki khakis on at the moment, but I can put them on and, I can put them on and check it for you if you like. Well, I, I'm, I, I took a look, and, and I don't have any, any confirmation of exactly where the, the rest of the seeds uh, uh, land. I do believe that the Rams are still in contention. Are they not for that fifth spot? But I do not know the answer to that. Well, the problem is that Jared Goff is also battling a broken thumb on his throwing hand, so that might be end up being moot anyway. It could be. And where are the Bears in that? The Bears are somewhere in that mix too, right? No, no, no. The, Bear, oh. the Bears are 8-7, and seven, so that's okay. not going to happen. But, but you've got uh, the, the Buccaneers are at 10-5, and five, and as we sit here today, uh, they are the top wild card in the conference. I didn't mean them playing the Giants. I meant them being in the playoffs. The, the Rams and the Bears, aren't they very close to being somewhere? Well, yeah, the, the, the Bears are 8-7 and seven and the Rams are 9-6. and six. 
Okay. But my, yeah. my point being, if if the Buck the Bucks have clinched the playoff spot, that much I know. The Bears they and are, Cardinals, Jeff, are battling for that last playoff oh, so it's spot. The Cardinals. That's, okay. that's, I yeah. think that's what you're thinking about. Yep. Yeah. I, so I knew what, it was in the division there, but I didn't know who it was. Uh, hey, you know what? We don't really need to talk about the fifth seed right now, so maybe it's my fault for bringing it up. But you're just as an, F, as an FYI, just so you know, okay, the Bucks are ten and five. Uh, the Rams are nine and six, and one of those two teams, I think it's still open, is going to wind up being the number five seed and will play the winner of the NFC East. That's the reason that I brought it up for no for no other uh, uh, circumstance other than to let you guys know that's where the playoff picture sits as we speak. Well, the bottom now, line: the Giants got to win. Period. That's it. That's it. Well, I understand your perspective, Jeff. And, of course, they're in this Forget predicament. About everything else. Well, they're in this predicament because they are on a three-game losing streak, having fallen to Arizona, Cleveland, and Baltimore. You know, it's interesting. I, I, Logan Ryan said something the other day, and I don't know if you caught it, Jeff, in one of his press briefings, but Ryan was talking about how difficult the Giants' schedule has been. And the truth of the matter is, The NFC East, which has had a very difficult time slogging through the mud this year, really caught a horrible break because they wound up drawing the two toughest divisions in football in the same season. I was just looking at the Giants' schedule, and outside of their six division games, if you look at their 10 games that they played this year, eight of those 10 teams have a 500 record or better. There's a 12-win team, an 11-win team, three 10-win teams, and a 9-win team. I mean, you talk about having to climb a mountain when you're in the midst of trying to get back into respectability. Is there any wonder that the NFC East has struggled like it has when you look at the bulldozers that they have all had to face this season? Not, not going off of those numbers, no. I mean, when you do when you do look back at the Giants, and we you know we can do this now because we're not in the building playing, and you know there's no well, you go, two games. You look at the Eagles and the Dallas games. I mean, those were games that you know, my goodness, well, they gave away. Uh, man, and they oh got the, you know, and and they had to go up against twelve yeah. people if you understand what I'm talking about with the stripes. Sure. And the other thing, you know, I think when we looked at the the last. Uh, quarter of the season those last four games I think we all agreed they had to win two of the four going into that four game stretch we didn't think that they were going to beat the Ravens I think that the Cowboys and the Cardinals were probably the two teams that they or or depending on the Browns or the or the Cardinals um, were the two teams that they that we all thought that were maybe they can get those wins and they weren't able to get any of those until you know maybe even next week hopefully but that was a tough stretch for them the Browns started playing wetter the Ravens certainly started playing better, and the Cardinals just destroyed them. And the Giants just all of a sudden have just, you know, these. Well, these I mean, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff. Unfortunately, the Giants wound up with a gimpy quarterback against the Cardinals, and we could probably sit here for the next ten years and talk about whether Daniel Jones should have well, played or not. But they certainly were were limping into that game. I understand, but if you look at the way that the Cardinals played, they played very well. That they day. did. They, they did. did. And they did. I don't know what the healthy Daniel Jones that he if they would have beat that team that day. I really don't. Um, they they were just first of all the defense was extremely scared, if you will, and I hate to use that word in the building, but they were just they were very hesitant to let Kyler Murray out of that pocket and run, 
and then they left left him in the pocket to be able to throw all over the place, you know. Um, so I think that's – but listen, at, from a player's perspective, I've been in this situation before. I've never been in this situation before going into the last game knowing that your record, what it is, having a chance for the playoffs. That's never been an issue. Um, at this point, everybody's got their U-Hauls out parked in front of the, of the uh, facility waiting for that game to be done and gone. But this, in this case, when you have a chance to get into the playoffs, um, this week becomes a playoffs atmosphere in your building. Your focus is one team, one effort. Everything goes into this game plan. Forget about what's going on next week. You, all you care about is beating this team. Mm-hmm. And then, then you get, you know, you're going to scoreboard watch. You're going to be able to watch your destiny in your own eyes happen Sunday night when you hope that the Eagles can pull off a, you know, a victory over those Washington Redskins. And I don't know what the situation is with their quarterback situation, but well, Alex the, Smith might yeah. be coming back. So, well, you know, I kind of the, wish they didn't. <laughs> I mean, well, the red, the red, the red team has a significant issue at quarterback. I, I don't want to waste too much time talking about other teams, but I will say this: Dwayne Haskins showed you what Dwayne Haskins is. There's no question about that. He showed it all season long. Well, thank and, God that Gettleman went the other way with uh, that one. Remember? Well, he listened to me. He's a, he's a smart man. But but here's the thing, okay? They've now got an issue because Alex Smith has that calf injury, and if you listen to Jay Glazer from Fox yesterday, part of his calf was actually taken out when they did all that leg reconstruction. Mm -hmm. So this is a very serious situation for him. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, you know, we we saw what happened with with Haskins. So, you know, they're down to their third quarterback. Uh, We know that Cox got hurt in the Dallas game last night, so the Eagles will be missing you know, clearly one of their primetime players. So uh, Henneke, who was a, a you know, third-string Washington QB and had a 5,000-yard season at Old Dominion, he's, you know, he's a guy who, you know, is going to be probably counted on for them to try to do what they got to do. Anyway, here's the thing. Giants had a game yesterday that they did very poorly in. You know, and I'll be honest, there's no sense in rehashing that game. But what we will talk about are some of the things the Giants have to fix as they go into the Dallas game. Their pass pro was terrible. Six sacks all in the second half. Uh, Did not run the ball at all. Obviously did not play for 60 minutes. Busted zone coverages on two touchdown passes where receivers were all alone and no pass rush whatsoever. I've just given you a checklist of all the things that the Giants had to do to be competitive in the game and potentially try to steal it, and they did none of them. That can't happen on Sunday. Well, first and foremost, here's the thing that really surprised me from the Giants. The, the game itself, losing the game, didn't surprise me. I think it's a very, it was a very tough game for them to go win. What did surprise me, knowing that the Giants – are a top 10 run defense going up against the number one rushing team in the NFL. The tackling yesterday was absurd. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that's concerned me um, because this team has been a very good tackling team all season long, um, and they couldn't do it yesterday. And that, to me, was the biggest, I guess, issue with the Giants' defense other than their pass rush um, because they – for the first time all season, did not get a sack. Um, no pressure, and they let him run for 80 yards and basically do whatever he wanted. 
So, you know, yeah, and on top of all the other things that you just talked about, Paul. But the, the tackling was I want to add to your list of things that they need to do better when they go play at the Cowboys next week. There's no doubt about that because the Cowboys have a lot of speed at the skill possessions, and then they've also got Elliott, who's a very forceful runner. So if you do miss tackles against that team, the Cowboys have guys who will take it the distance. Well, and, okay, we talked a little bit about offense. We talked a little bit about defense. Can we go there again? Uh, I mean, I don't know what's going on with these coverage teams. I just, I don't know, you know, Riley Dixon, I don't know what's happening with him. I, he, at the beginning of the season, he was kicking the ball outside the numbers, going out of bounds, and now these balls are, you know, they're down the middle of the field or inside the numbers, and, you know, 17-yard returns, 19-yard returns. I mean, those, that, what is going on there, Paul? You know, the two things that are inexplicable to me because we've watched this Giants team grow and have that four-game winning streak, uh, get back on their feet, try to get themselves out of the quicksand, only to get sucked back down. And the things that that really disturb me are the lack of pass protection here down the stretch. Uh, No question the tackling that you just mentioned and the fact that special teams, which was one of the three units that they consistently won over the first 10 weeks of the season, is now become, can I say a liability, Jeff? I think you can because I feel like if this team was, uh, you know, was doing a lot better in the other phases, that this would become a liability in the game because, you know, this is a strong point for the Giants all season. It's got to be. Until the last quarter of the season. And, you know, we've tried to wrap our head around it. Personnel moving in and out of the lineup, younger guys moving into the starting lineup. Um, I don't know if you noticed or not, but last week they put Jabril Peppers on the kickoff coverage team, which helped a little bit. Um, but you know the the, the kickoff, the punt returns, um, that is a product of you know directional kicking and coverage. Your gunners, because when you get returns, okay, and I know this for a fact, folks. I mean, you may not believe me on the other stuff, but I I understand punt coverage and how it works. Direction, direction, direction. Get it to where you're going, and because when you call left or you call right. And the ball, and everybody's going there, and all of a sudden the ball is not there. You compromise everything, and that's where these returns. So it all starts with the kick. The kick has got to be going where it's going to go. If we tell you to go right or left, it's got to be over there. And if it's not, then you're going to compromise the, re- the coverage team, and you're getting big plays. A 55-yard punt's all great and dandy, but when you have a 20-yard return, yeah, it doesn't really—it's not much, right? So it is a liability, and and you can't have that especially going into next week. You're going to have to play solid in every one of those games. Dallas is, is a team that's on the, on the rise. They're ascending. Uh, they've played some good football the last few weeks. They're scoring points, by the way. This Giants team is going to have to score to, to win this game. They're going to have to. They're going to have to score a lot more than six, seven, or nine points. That's for sure. Well, Dallas has scored over 30 or 30 or more in each of their last three as they have suddenly come back from the dead and (laughs) and won three in a row. And their defense is playing well. Their defensive line is is kind of coming back. Uh, Gregory, I mean, just watching some of that game yesterday after our game, and uh, it was just, you know, these guys are – they're playing well. 
Um, you know, it'll, it'll take in the high 20s at least to win this game. You're not going to win this game with 16 or 17 points, that's for sure. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. Hey, Paul, by the way, very quickly, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but uh, Ian Rappaport is reporting as of this morning that Washington believes that Alex Smith will be ready to play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They Obviously, do. it's early in the week, but I just wanted to pass that on since you guys did mention it earlier. In the That's kind of yeah, what we thought. Sure. Right? I mean, I, I was thinking the same, um, but hey, that's okay. You know, he can always drop back and you know hurt his hurt his calf again. <laughs> well, it, it, it's on. interesting. You know that, that you that's know. really you know uh, the only thing I'll say is that Glazer I don't wish Fox, that on him. I'm just saying that you know calves are tricky, folks. Calves, I, I, it oh, came out are. that way. My it's, bad. That's that's horrible. No, I, I apologize I saw, for that. That's why I was surprised. I, I know. Now, see now from Detino, I expect that. Oh <laughs> come and, on. And what I, know, I meant by that, John, I think you, I think you guys both know me well enough that I would never I do that. Of course, I know. You. My of course. calves, I know. calves are tricky. It's very tricky. Because of especially for a quarterback, the way that you plant, you know, and, and and I know that that's as bad. Like Paul was saying with his calf and stuff. So, um, you know, their backup. The I, listen, I, I did not mean that, and I apologize for that, Alex. My bad. Because I I have so much respect for that man for what he's done to come back. I mean, did you did you guys see that the special on him that thirty for thirty or whatever it was on TV about what he went through and some of the pictures that they had on TV? Oh, of it's that? crazy. It, oh it's crazy. my yeah. goodness. So I apologize for that. Uh, I didn't mean, mean that. No, no. And, 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 and again, you know, we're going to get conflicting media reports on him all week, I believe. Glazer was saying yesterday that there's no way this early in the week that the Washington Red team is going to be able to determine his status because they thought he was going to play last week. Then the calf wasn't strong enough. And he was saying it'll be the end of this week before they really know. So Ian Rappaport's coming up with his report. I appreciate it. Uh, who knows? I still think it's a day-to-day situation. Sure. And the bottom line is, you know, hey, let's face it. Dallas and the Giants, they got to look to win their game before they watch the primetime game and settle for whatever it is their fate is going to be. We go to the phones, our first caller of the day, and it's going to be, did I wipe him off the board? It is Scott from Hamilton, New Jersey. Hello, Scott. Hi, Scott. Good afternoon, guys. How you doing? Good. Okay, how are you? Good. I'll get right to the point because I know you guys got a lot of callers. Um, I've loved I've loved Joe Judge so far and everything that he's done. However, I think one of the biggest mistakes he potentially made was firing Mark Colombo. It seems like ever since that's happened, our offensive line has tanked. And I know maybe it was unavoidable because of how the fight went down or whatever happened, but I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that because the O-line is doing terrible. Well, I, I really, you know, it's, it's, it's so difficult for us to comment on something like that because we really don't know what happened, um, and we're not Joe Judge. I mean, I, I, and we, it, part of the problem we all have, including John and I and everybody that's around, we are not around the building. We have no idea. We're not even at practice. We can't see anything. Um, and so I don't know how, you know, Gooch is coaching this team, uh, offensive line, or how Mark Colombo was coaching them before. I don't know, Paul. I really, I mean, I listen. I think that bottom line is that, you know, they have to play better. Um, whether it's the, you know, the Goo just keep teaching them different schemes than Colombo was, or, but you know, if, if you remember, Coach Judge was coaching that offensive line. Has he now stepped away from it now, or I don't know. I have no idea. Well, the only, the only thing I will say, you know, it, it's easy to to you know make a statement like that, but then again, uh, you know, the Giants did beat Cincinnati. 
they did beat Seattle. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, weren't those the first two games following the offensive line coaching change? I know Seattle was one. And, and yeah, you know, I so, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure exactly where your broad brush is going here because, you know, they obviously succeeded quickly after the move was made. Subsequently to that, uh, you know, things have gone awry, but there have certainly been other things involved, like a change at the quarterback. You know, McCoy had a play. Uh, you had uh, Jones playing on one leg against Arizona, and we could debate that forever. I don't think he should have played, but then again, I don't have the information the coach has. I don't think that that, that was fair to anybody to have a one-legged quarterback playing in that game. So is that fair to necessarily you know, pinpoint the offensive line as the primary culprit? I don't think so. Okay. It, it just seemed to me like they, they were really, really trending up we were playing tight. They were improving. Our run game was getting better, better week to week. It did seem that we were having better pass protection, and then all the drama happened with Colombo. We did squeak out one more win um, after that, but ever since, it does seem like the offensive line has regressed. Right. And, and I even hate to admit it, but that's just how I feel. Appreciate the call, sure. Scott. Thank you. Yeah, just to confirm, the offensive line coaching change, uh, let's see, that was on uh, November 18. And the Giants proceeded to beat Cincinnati uh, and Seattle in their first two games following that change. In the Cincinnati game, they ran for 142 yards. In the Seattle game, they ran for 190 yards. Uh, They gave up no sacks to Cincinnati and gave up two sacks to Seattle. So that's what happened immediately following the change. Again, what happened subsequent to that? Other things happened, including a one-legged quarterback and then McCoy playing quarterback. Other things have contributed, so I don't, I can't, I can't broad brush that that comment about the O line. I just, I can't do it. But let let's also not well, kid ourselves. We also get behind. You also were behind in those games where the running game was abandoned. No question. One hundred percent. The know? Giants are a team that cannot play that way. No, especially yeah. in the red zone. If you don't have yeah. a, you have no running game. Um, I don't know how you're going to score points in the red zone because, so. you know, they're just going to, they they know what you're going to do. Plenty of blame to go around for why the Giants are on a three-game losing streak. I don't necessarily think I would put a finger on the offensive line coaching change as one of the high items on the list. I just, I just don't see it. Uh, Mike from Colorado is next on the show. Hello. Hey guys, how you doing? Hi, Hi Mike. Um, just it, help me understand in today's NFL, where it is so offensive-minded and. Uh, Receivers seem to be in abundance coming out of out of college. Why is the Giants lacking so much speed? And before you answer that, in addition, Evan Ingram uh, never should have been on the selected as the Pro Bowl. I think he's the most overrated player the Giants have. Okay, I mean, I listen. You know, this was an odd year. Um, I think that you know, there's guys that were. Listen, I, I know how hard Evan Ingram works, and, you know, the fan vote is, is just one component to the, to the Pro Bowl voting. And then the coaches and the players are the guys that are voting those guys in. So I think that, you know, when you look at his targets and, you know, he was, he, he was healthy, he's been healthy all season, um, evidently some of the players and coaches felt that he was deserving it because of it. Now, you look at some of the other guys that typically are in the Pro Bowl at that position – they were out from injuries, and so, you know, sometimes it, it, you get the nod. But I think that, you know, I don't know. I think you think he's overrated, 
but I think some people think that he's, he's a component to the Giants' offense that's needed. You know, I would only say this. There were four tight ends in the NFC, given the fact that, uh, you know, the two key guys, mm-hmm. Ertz and uh, uh, Kittle, had been hurt. Mm-hmm. There were four guys for two spots. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Ingram was one of those four guys. I'm not going to tell you that he absolutely should have gotten it. I'm not going to tell you he absolutely shouldn't have. Of the four guys, he would have been in that four guy conversation. Sure, that's the only that's the only thing I would say, and that's strictly based on his numbers. Now, I often say, and you guys know this, I'm a big fan of the old school tight end. I want the all around guy. I want the guy who's going to block and is going to get you know a snot all over his face as he's playing the game. That's the kind of guy that I want. I'm not big for the video game tight ends. So you, you understand that. But that's a personal preference for me. That doesn't mean that, that you know, he shouldn't be talked about. It's just a personal preference. Um, and I do think legitimately he was one of four candidates for the two spots. It's, it's, not as, it's not as – I guess what I'm saying is it's not as out of the world and off the wall as you might think it is. No, but I, I think – for the last couple of years, I mean, just to be honest, we've been talking about him, his potential, and what everybody sees in him, and how explosive he can be, and what a what a key component he can be to changing a game. And mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I'm missing something. He drops big balls in the middle of the game, and in clutch times, he, most of the catches he makes are either in garbage time or or, or they don't matter, or can't seem to break free even of the of the, the linebackers when he's breaking from the the uh, line I, I, I just not seeing it I, I will say this and I'm with you a thousand percent in I terms of the yeah. potential that 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 has been talked about with him he has not lived up to all the potential that has been discussed I absolutely agree with that I think Jeff we would all agree with that I think oh, he yeah. would be I think Evan Ingram would tell you that I don't think he thinks he's lived up to his potential either. But I will also say this, uh, if you strictly want to go by the numbers, and most people like to just go by numbers, I'll use their argument in this case. I don't necessarily subscribe, but I'll use their argument. You know, since he's been in the league, he's one of the most six productive tight ends in terms of catches and receiving yards and touchdowns and average yards per catch. He's clearly one of the, you know, leading top-shelf tight ends in the league, strictly by the numbers. Now, that doesn't indicate potential. It doesn't indicate drops. It's simply by the production that he has had. And I will say, in terms of economics, having him in that fifth year of his rookie contract also makes him actually a pretty good value when you look at the numbers and the price that they're going to pay him next year. Having said that, uh, we need to remind people that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please get responsibly. And New York Giants fans, you need to get a Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants, member FDIC, and the Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab tests through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Jeff, we go back to the phone calls, and Coach Marvin is in Delaware. Hello, Coach. Happy holiday to you. Jeff, Hi. I hope you guys had a good Christmas. We did. You too, my friend. Yeah, well, uh, I was just going to follow up on what Jeff said. Uh, 
as far as the um, tackling. It was uh, really tough to watch. Um, it seems like they were in position to make plays behind the line of scrimmage at times. And the thing that used to bother me a lot, and I used to say that to my players, is if you're on defense and you're trying to make a tackle and you're on the ground, <clears throat> you really can't help me or help us. You're really no good to me if you're diving and reaching. Um, there was times it looks like guys are reaching to make the tackle and they were in position to run through the tackle meaning that uh, you just run right through the player. Bring your arms and run right through them, and that'll bring them down. It, it, it seems like a lot of times today's game, it seems like guys are bringing their shoulder and not their arms, and uh, they're trying to knock someone out. or I, I, I don't know. It's like they're belling out from the tackling. I don't know. If, and I'm sure it's from the uh, <clears throat> CBA when they don't do as much tackling as in practice as they probably should. Um, but th- that was uh, that was tough to watch the defense uh, just let them run that way where they missed a lot of tackles. That was tough to watch. Um, the other statement I want to I heard the guy was just talking about uh, Ingram. And, you know, Ingram, I like Ingram. Um, he, you know, we all talk about the potential he has. Um, but I, I think you can look at it in another way is have we really used him in a manner, in all his potential, in a manner that's best for Ingram that can help the team. Sometimes I feel we don't. Um, you usually play at the inline tight end. I don't know what's the percentage. You guys probably can find that out. <clears throat> what's the percentage of him playing in line? Um, I, I think you should flex him a little bit. I'm not going to go as far as, oh, you turn him into a wide receiver. That's not what I want to say. I think you should flex him more. I remember a year ago or two, Someone, um, Sherman, put him in the back, uh, in the backfield at fullback, and those are the things I think Ingram needs. You get with the talent that he has, you, I feel you have to be a little more creative offensively for Ingram. Let him do what he do, and you 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 build some plays around that. And, you know, Coach uh, Marvin, let me let me ask you something. As a guy who who obviously knows a tremendous amount of uh, of X's and O's. I haven't been able to, to get this uh, asked or, or really get a, a good answer on it. But to me, the tight end down the seam is a, is a very effective weapon when you have a guy of this ability. And when's the last time you saw them hit him down the seam? Uh, you know, I haven't seen that. I don't know when's the last time I've seen it, uh, <laughs> Paul. That's a good question. And yeah. I think those are the mismatches. And maybe the defenses are, are – uh, I, I think when you can hit them down those seams is when you can threaten them outside the numbers, when you can move those safeties and make them help on the outside of the numbers. I don't know if the – because I can't really tell from the television if those safeties are still hanging around. If you go in uh, cover three, there's a safety sitting in the middle of the field that takes Ingram away. If you go cover two – if they go cover two and those safeties have to go to the outside, right. then Ingram should be able to exactly. uh, exploit those those linebackers. I agree now, with you. Now, is Ingram playing as fast as he is? I don't know. At times it seems like guys are still running with him. Mm-hmm. seems like I should see him separating a lot more easier. You know when I really see him running fast is when he gets his hands on the ball and he's able to run in a straight line. 
When he's able to run in a straight line, you can see the <laughs> speed that he has. Coach Marvin, hence the seam pass. <laughs> yes. And, and, and this, yeah, and that's why you get, you get him on the straight line and you run him down there. There you go. In those seams. And I don't see him. A lot of the catches I see him, he's running those routes across, running across the middle. He's, yeah. You know, that's or, or he's I, on the sideline, or or he's yeah. catching some little dumpy check down. This guy right, should right. not be averaging 10 yards a catch. There's no, no way, way he should be averaging 10 yards a catch. Right, and, and what you're saying goes back to what I said in the beginning, Paul. You're not utilizing his talent to where it's best for the team. I'm not saying they're not they, they doing with him is totally wrong because you've got to give those looks to the defense. Sure. But you've got to also – Keep them off balance. I will make them aware that make that defense aware that Ingram is there, and they will have to worry about him. I will have you have to give him more opportunity. The grunts of the world—they're doing it. They're bigger guys. Um, they're inline tight ends, but you can flex those guys out. The one that I think about is the kid that—he's. Um, um, I'm trying to think where he is. He used to play with um, New Orleans. Um, Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Graham. You remember Graham, they utilized him in so many ways in New Orleans. But then when he went to Green Bay, they, um, I'm sorry, he went to um, Seattle, and they utilized him as an in-line in tight end. He was sure. never the same. No. He hasn't no. Been played the same in years, uh, uh, so they didn't utilize him in a manner of what his talent you know what I'd like to do, Coach Marvin, and, and I know we're kind of short on time. I'm going to have to let you go, but please have a great new year and hey, call Paul. us back again soon. Yeah, Paul, John. by the way, I looked it up for Coach. Uh, this year, Ingram has had 433 snaps as an inline tight end, 277 in the slot, and a 99 as a full-out wide receiver out wide. So it's about 430 in line versus mm. 377 split out as a receiver. So it's close to being even. Yeah, which is what he's talking about. He wants to have a mixture, and I and that sounds like what it's been, and that's fine. But but I tell you this, what I'd love to do, and I'm a big proponent of going back to look at the old tapes. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about you know Jeff Fiegel's eight millimeters now. We <laughs> you had black and white film in your day, right, Jeff? Bro, yeah, in college I did. <laughs> but, but but here's what I'm saying. I, I'm a big proponent because I know Belichick does this, and I'm almost, I don't know if Joe Judge does, and maybe he and I need to have a talk after the season. But go back and look at the old tapes of some of the greats and some of the defenses and schemes and some of the players and incorporate some of that stuff into what you're doing. So what I'm saying is I'd go back and I'd even take some of Shockey's tapes and I would say, okay, you know what? Let's look at some of the, the passing game stuff that Shockey did, and let's see if we can get Ingram to do that stuff. All right? He's never going to be the feisty kind of blocker that Shockey was. Shockey was a hell of a, of a good blocker. People didn't give him credit for it, but he was. I'd love to see Ingram taking the pass, passing game stuff out of Shockey's playbook and see how well he would do. That's what, that's what it would – if I were me, Jeff – I think it's it's very fruitful to go back and try to repeat the successes of history. They're two different players. Well, of course they are. I of mean, course they are. But in terms Shockey. of in, in the passing game, though, Ingram could have done a lot of those things that Shockey did, yeah, but I one, believe. One thing that, in my opinion, that Shockey does that Ingram doesn't, I think that Shockey is a much more physical football player and, and basically somebody that will actually – 
win the contested catch will actually go up and make some acrobatic, really amazing plays. He was plays. tough. He Very was tough. physical. Yeah. Um, you know, he's obviously a better blocker because he's a bigger tight end. But, you know, doesn't, Shockey doesn't have the speed and agility that, that, you know, put two of those guys together and make one, I think it would be amazing. Well, see, Shockey would have more yards after contact, but Ingram should have more yards after catch. Sure. Okay? Yeah. yeah. That, that's Absolutely. all I'm saying. All right, we go back to the phones, and Len from Columbia, Maryland, is on the line. Hello, Len. Happy New Year. Oh, Hello, Happy Len. New Year to you guys. Oh, wow. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, that was that was like varsity against the JV <laughs> the, the week before the state playoffs began. Bigger, <laughs> faster, stronger, more physical. Yeah. Um, better prepared, and dare I say, and Paul, you hinted at it, hungrier than we were yesterday. I mean, we were were rudderless. The first quarter was absolutely horrific. I mean, you consider the Giants had one possession and and only three snaps. I mean, here's the thing, you know, and and it's very troubling because the rest of the game, they played to a 13-13 tie. But that first quarter was absolutely a Baltimore Ravens clinic in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, hard to hard to deny that. And again, yes, 13-13 tie and 10-7 our favor in the second half. But uh, Paulie, they were they were they were toying with us. Oh, sure, they were. They were. Then here's I mean, the thing: were, Logan I mean, Ryan said last we week tried, they just countered. Len, what I don't, what I don't get again. There are a lot of things I don't understand about what happened yesterday, and one of them is that Logan Ryan was preaching, and so was Coach Judge all week long. Got to get off to a fast start, and we talked about this during the course of the show last week. The Ravens are doubling, oh, nearly doubling up their opponents in the first half, and they dominate the first quarter. So you know, going in, you cannot let that happen if you're going to have any chance to try to play your game. And what did they do? They served the game up to the Ravens on a silver platter. The Ravens are of 96 consecutive wins when they're up by 14 points. Take that one. I mean, you can't get down on this team. That is what you just said, Paul. And, you know, that's what happened in the first half. There was no way that this team was going to be able to come back. 96 consecutive games, guys. Realize that? That is a, a sick statistic yeah, when you think I, about I saw that. that. I saw that stat. I saw that stat. That's unreal. You, know, you no. could lump. Go ahead. You, you could really lump the last two games into, into what we saw yesterday. Um, I, I mean, we, we don't seem to be able to take it up a notch. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know if Logan Ryan thinks he's the leadership on that defense with his, you know, by making the comments, but I would say to Logan Ryan, you know, make a couple of tackles. Okay, you recovered a fumble yesterday. We we've played small in the last three weeks. Coach Marvin was right, and 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 Jeff, the tackling, um, you know, you, you know, technique. Marvin's right. I, I'm, you can't argue with anything. I mean, he he knows. <laughs> coach Marvin knows football. Oh, he's, he's great. He's, a coach. he's, he's great. A coach. I'm going to ask um, both of you guys a question. So hold on a second, Len. I want you and Jeff to both answer me now. Okay. Because I'm, I'm one who can't stand this paintbrush attitude about deferring the kickoff. I oh, can't stand point. that. I think that needs to be a game-by-game decision Great depending point. upon your matchup, depending upon the weather, 
depending upon a game-by-game basis. I can't stand the broad brush. We have to defer. And I, I, I would have taken the kickoff on Sunday. In fact, I'm telling you now, if the Giants win the coin toss this Sunday, I would take the ball first. Take the ball. Take Absolutely. The ball yeah, take the ball and say we're going to hammer you, Cowboys. Why, why would you put it? You know what? I, I, I agree. I agree 100%. It's the analytics. It's analytics that come into the football. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And, and, and not everybody does it, by the way. Not yeah. everybody does it. Yeah. You can find the nearest toilet bowl and flush those analytics because that's yeah. what they're yeah. worth. I was, thinking, I was thinking about that after the game, Paul. Great question. Great question. But you know what? This is a young coaching staff. Um, you were looking at a mature veteran coaching staff yesterday with the Ravens. Um, you, you know, it, it, this, this is just, it's just a lot of stuff. The leadership it's just not there yet. It's just not there yet to pull us out of this. Now, I hope it all turns around on Sunday. We've got a good chance against the Cowboys. You know, and I hope, hope we're able to do it. Let, let me go back to the tackling. And, Jeff, I th- you got, we, we've come up small. We've played small in the last three weeks, especially yesterday. You know, the shoulder bumps. And, but you know what? We look small in that defensive back. Except for Bradbury, that's a big man for a defensive back. But, man, you look at those safeties, McKinney can't be six feet, 205, like we've got him. He just can't be. The guy looks slight. And and I I don't know, you know, I want to say to you guys, where, where do you play McKinney in the future? Well, I think that's still. I think that's still the jury's out there. I mean, they, I mean, let's give the guy a, a little bit of. He just came back. I mean, now let's talk about Yedem. I mean, here's the guy's been playing all season. I mean, he had a tough time tackling Terrible. yesterday and the whole season. Terrible. But you know what, Jeff? You gotta wanna. Well, you gotta just... want to make that tackle. This is a big man's game. This is a powerful man's game. When that guy's coming around that corner and. Let's face it, we protected the edge yesterday about as badly as a professional football team can protect the edge. I mean, <laughs> yep. it was, that was awful on the edges. you got to want to – you know, when that guy's coming around and there's two blockers in front of you, Jeff, and it's December and it's a cold day and you're a 196-foot-tall corner, you got to want to make that play, Jeff. No, that hey, listen. There's a lot of guys that will, and I'd say a majority of them will, Len. They they do. They, and I'll tell you this: you you've been watching football a long time. The game is so fast nowadays. Oh, you know, it's really difficult to find some really big, fast guys to be in there. So oh. what happens is you do have those smaller individuals, as you're yeah. saying. But yeah. you know, those guys have learned through, you know, a trial and error of how to tackle. And if you yeah. notice around, not just the Giants, around the whole National Football League, nobody tackles anymore. They yeah. just hit with their shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Or, or they tackle the ball, Jeff. Yeah. And so, you know, it's all about technique and fundamentals. And, you know, you can go back to practice and say you don't do it in practice. Well, you know, nobody does it in practice anymore. But I think you, you make an excellent point to the fact that there is a will there. And where there's a will, there's a way. And so some guys just, they're mentally not into the game. And they gotta make they gotta make plays. They gotta go take make those tackles. Um, that's what you get paid for. Yeah, you're a defensive back. To, you, a lot of people think, oh, defensive backs, and you gotta be able to cover. Well, you gotta be able to cover. And most importantly, you make more tackles than you defend passes. Yep. You really do. 
Yeah, it was a it was a sorry tackling exhibition yesterday. Ah. No question. Thank you so much for give, giving us a call again, Len. We appreciate it as always, and and ring us again very soon. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. Uh, Jeff, one other item uh, that I think is is very important to to, to talk about, and we really haven't touched on it a whole lot so far in this program, and that is I thought Daniel Jones looked pretty good yesterday. Well, they I didn't mean, lose the game because you know, of Daniel Jones. No, they had fewer than, than 60 snaps for the seventh time this season and for the fourth straight game. It wasn't like the offense got anything going and was able to really give him much of a chance. Uh, six sacks all coming in the second half. Uh, 24 of 41, the final numbers for 252 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, by the way, should we mention the fact that he was sacked six times, was hit 11 times, and did not fumble? How about we at least give him a little credit for that? Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, we had a couple instances where um, – Oh, he got clocked. Yeah, and, I, I mean, aside from that, – that's a that's a 100% positive, right? I mean, because that's just something – they even said it on the broadcast. You know, at least we can be – well, actually, Bob Papa said it. At least we can be happy they didn't fumble on those. There was three consecutive sacks that they had. But I think one thing that Daniel Jones and the receivers were a little bit off – yesterday was in some of their communication because they had some areas where they, they had no safety in coverage. Uh, the one to Shepard, that could have been a surefire touchdown. Um, and then, you know, Shepard ran, either ran the wrong route or he whatever admitted, it was. He admitted yeah. after the game he, he cut off the route. He did, he okay. So I, By the I way, think, Mike Garofolo reporting, and it's official, the Washington Red team is cutting Dwayne Haskins. He's being placed on waivers. He's done. Just, <laughs> wow. just FYI. I, go go you, ahead. You know what I okay, but the other thing about he he had a, an opportunity a drop ball by Slayton on a zero coverage call where he you know the, Slayton's got to make that catch. Daniel Jones survived yesterday with no running game, six sacks, um, didn't have a turnover. I mean, so yeah, I mean he didn't lose the game. It wasn't the reason that the Giants lost the football game was because of Daniel Jones, um, and he wasn't bad in his return. That's for sure. The only problem is that he became one dimensional. They couldn't run the football. And when you as a quarterback in any of, the, any of the quarterbacks in the National Football League, ball, you know this, if a defense knows that you have no run game, they just pin their ears back and here they go. Yeah. And they did. I mean, there were a few times when you see on, the, on TV that Daniel Jones trying to adjust the coverage or the, the protections because when you counted, there was, only not, there was only two guys in coverage. There was nine people at the line of scrimmage. And, and you saw that back-to-back. It happened with those back-to-back penalties um, where there was just – these guys were just freaking out. I mean, Well, you was, know, the, the three consecutive uh, sacks that happened against him in the fourth quarter, the Ravens sent six. They sent five on a zone blitz. They sent five on a zone blitz. I mean, you know, in fact, on five of their six sacks against him yesterday, they sent at least five. Only once did they send four. It was it was just brutal, and and they weren't calling off the dogs at all. They kept coming as as hard as they possibly could the entire sixty minutes. And credit to the Ravens because they looked like a team that was playing for their playoff lives. Sure. And by the way, they could still not make it even with double digit victories because the AFC is that top heavy right now mm-hmm. with so many good teams that that are well deserved. The one um, thing that I that I couldn't understand and I, I understand a little bit more now that you're watching the game and, and as you're going through, but you know, coming into the game yesterday, 
with the two starting uh, defensive backs out of the lineup, you thought the Giants would have a better opportunity to throw the ball down the field and make some plays. But with that pass rush and, the, and those blitzes yesterday, he just, you know, just had no time. Um, well, again, that's what happens when you're down at halftime get, get, getting, you know, absolutely manhandled. And then in the second half, you know, because you've got no running game and because you're down by two scores, now it's got to throw almost every play and you're playing into their hands because the pass rush is going to get better. You, you, you know, the best way to take the teeth out of a pass rush is to be balanced and to be even on the scoreboard or ahead. So, yeah. anyway, um, all right, we will go back to the phone lines. Uh, we have Dre in Atlanta. You're on uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hey, what's up, Pete? Hey, what's Steve, going on? Going? Hello. Not much. Great segue. You know, I'm going to even touch on something that – uh that coach talked about in reference to Ingram. I think I don't think Ingram is our number one. And I think for years we thought that because of the matchup um, nightmare that he can open things up for everybody else. I think we need a bona fide number one receiver that demands attention. Um, someone that is tall with speed and wins that 50-50 ball, that goes get it, that's a ball hawk on the offensive side of the ball. And I think what that does is that it opens up for Ingram to do those seam routes because now he's no longer the focus of the offense. Now they have to worry about this number one and then the complementary pieces around him because with a healthy um, Saquon, um, you can do more things and you can be more inventive and more creative. But one glaring thing besides the mistackling on defense, one thing that, that shined like a spotlight was the lack of talent on the, um, on the wide receiver core. Um, we got to get Daniel Jones some weapons. I mean, we got to get him someone that he can depend on other than Sterling Shepard, who to me personally is just a, um, he's the Vic Cruz and the Steve Smith of the outfit. The position receiver that's going to get you, you know, those extra yards. So, you yeah, know, he's more of the Steve a, Smith than he is short. the Victor Cruz because Victor used to make a lot of big plays. Mm-hmm. But initially, when he started out before he, uh, he broke out, he was that, you know, that first down getter before he started playing above the X's and O's. Yeah, well, I, I would, I, you know, I, I think the shame of it is it's been a long time since the Giants had the kind of receiver that we're talking about. You know, the Tumors, the Burrises, the Knickses, those guys, they, they just haven't been here for a number of years. And the problem was when, when Dave Gettleman took over, you know, three seasons ago, uh, you know, in all honesty, the roster w- was in, in much more bad shape than anybody realized. And as you start to build – the wide receiver spot is not the top priority. You know, they went and they got a franchise quarterback. They went and they had to fix the offensive line, and they so they had to get a lot younger doing it, but that takes a little time and patience. But they, they retooled that. They tried to retool the defense from front to back. It's like, okay, you can't do all the things at once. That's hard. Right? If you're yeah. going to – look, Jeff is in real estate. Jeff knows. If you're going to go get a fixer-upper house, right, you can't fix – all the rooms in the house, the basement, the attic, and the backyard all at once. You can't well, do it. Yeah, especially well, if, you, if you don't have well, a lot of my money. Point, my point is for this draft, this come this upcoming draft, there's two, there's two things we need. We need a, a cornerback number two, and we need a wide receiver. This is a real good wide receiver class, but I don't think we can, you know, risk not taking one in the first round. Um, there's a lot of top-notch talent in the first round. Um because I don't foresee us being high up. I, I, I see us beating the Cowboys. So I'm not looking at 
you know, tanking to get a higher draft pick. I'm not worried about that. I think we're going to beat the Cowboys, and, and Washington is going to lose. So I think we're, we're going to be in the playoffs. But we have, you know, deficiencies. When you don't, when you know you don't have that wide receiver, that consistent wide receiver to take the top off the ball, you your defense is going to pin the air back. Yeah, Dre, you know, I would add a third item. Good. Yeah, I, I think I think I, and I appreciate it, but we're we're, we're kind of running out of uh, thin on time here, so I want to keep trying to get somebody else in. I would add three. There are three things in my mind that are desperately missing from this team. Are these There's in no, your order? Or are these just three? Not uh, you can put them in any order you like. Okay. They desperately could use a second cover corner. They could desperately use a big play wide receiver. Again, I prefer a skyscraper myself, but if the guy's a little bit shorter and has incredible speed like a lamb. Uh, okay, fine, you know. Uh, and the third thing, you've got to have a dominant pass rusher. Yeah. Those are the three bodies that are missing off this team right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and, and I, don't, I don't particularly think you have to go get a first-rounder in a, in a wide receiver. If you look at the receivers that came out last season uh, or this season or the, in this year's draft, there was a lot of really good wide receivers in the second round um, that you can find those kind of guys. And if the Giants are going to finish in the top ten this year, they'll be picking, you know, in the top 10 in every round. So uh, I'm with you, Paul. I think those three last year for me, it was a center. Um, this year, it's definitely a wide receiver, but not particularly. It doesn't have to be in the first round. I'd rather find me and I don't I mean, we haven't done a lot of research. John and I talked about this a little while ago. Um, the draft this year is not that particularly deep at defensive edge rushers. Oh, it's weak. And so um, is the free agent class, Jeff. So it's weak. It's you a know, bad year for to, edge rushers. Yeah. And, and whatever the edge rushers are in free agency, if there's not very many of them, then the, if the few that there are, they're going to be getting a lot of money. And you're so, not going to be able to pay them. Yeah. So yeah, I know. Uh, I know it's, it's, it's a bad time not to yeah. have an edge rusher. But I, I will agree with you on all three of those, and, and especially, too, um, the Giants do need a number two cornerback. I think they found a guy that can play the slot and get better um, in, in Holmes because I think he's truly has gotten to be to the point where I think he's going to be a good player. I think that uh, Patrick Graham trusts him, and we certainly saw how him being out of the lineup with Bradbury hurt the Giants' defense. But if you got that second corner – I'm not asking you for a shutdown corner all-pro guy like Bradbury, but I need, a, I need somebody over there, number one, that I can have confidence that if they are going to put their number one receiver on the other side, that they'll yeah. have confidence in him covering him without having to move Bradbury all over the place. Not a particularly great draft for high-level corners either. Mm. Unfortunately, the timing is not terrific on that front. Uh, of the three spots they desperately need, the, the best spot in terms of depth receiver. Is receiver, but you know what? You know what, Paul. The onus now becomes up in your personnel department, your general manager, to go out and find, find you someone that you feel is maybe, maybe it's a third rounder, maybe it's a fourth rounder that can elevate his game into. After a year, you say, "Wow, we got a steal for this guy." You know, so that's that's what that's what people get paid the big bucks for. Every personnel department in the league has got to go out and find you those types of players when you don't have a lot of fish in the sea. That's what you got to do. Does Victor Cruz have a younger brother? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think if I think if he did, he probably would have been probably in the league by now, unless he's got. (laughs) I'm just checking. I'll ask Victor when I see him when we tape MSG's uh, first and ten this week. Okay, Charlie from Portland, Maine. You're on the you're on the program. Hello. Hi, Charlie. Hey, Paul. Hey, Jeff. Hope you guys had a good uh, Christmas. You did. You did. Hopefully, you did too. Yeah, I had lobster, of course. 
Of course you did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, um, hey, don't forget Sam Beal. You know, we still got Sam. He, uh, he's got some potential. If he can stay healthy, you know, who knows? He could be that second uh, cornerback. We might not have to go out and find anybody. He might be the guy. I'm just saying. He's still on our Well, they thought he was going to be the guy this year, right? So maybe you're right. Well, he opted out, right? Yeah, I'm just saying. So, but they coming into yeah. it that everybody yeah, thought he exactly. was going to be that guy. Exactly. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Hey, uh, all I know is we're not progressing. We're regressing. Uh, You know, that's one thing I I don't understand what Judge is talking about. He thinks the team's getting better. I look at it, and I think we're regressing in so many areas. And one thing is our defense is not as good as we thought. You know, our run defense is the strongest point. Our three guys up front, there's our strongest. What did they it was This is funny because on Twitter I predicted they would run 250 yards against us and, and Jones would get sacked five times. And, and I was totally right. But I also said Jones would fumble or turn over three times. So I was totally wrong on that. Good for Jones. He didn't turn it over. He could have easily. Got so whacked, Charlie. On that. Boy, did they hit him. Oh, boy, did they I get know. Him. I know. I know they did. So I was glad to see that he hung on to to the ball. Uh, and, you know, as far as Ingram's concerned, I think, you know, Coach Marvin was right. I've been talking with them. Just don't utilize him right to me. I mean, look at all these other tight ends. They're always utilizing the red zone. Uh, or they're utilizing the middle. Um it, it's just like they put him on. I don't know. They just aren't utilizing this guy right. This guy should be dominant. He should be, and I understand that's the only guy we got, pretty much. Um, but so the, you know, they're going to cover him. They're going to make sure they might have two guys on the guy. But I would, you know, in the red zone, he should be dominating in the red zone. I mean, they should even, you know, they should even if he's covered, they should throw the ball to him. Kelsey and those guys, Kittle, you know, Kittle and them, they get the ball. And I think Ingram can has that potential. And not even potential. He's done it. He's gotten 50-50 balls before. So to me, is I think the heart of the catch is it's it's the easiest for him to catch. It's the easy ones that he drops all the time. So I don't know, uh, <laughs> right? But uh, and the other thing is, I, I I hope if Washington loses, I hope the Giants win. But if Washington wins, I hope we lose because I'd rather have a better draft pick than a moral victory. Over beating Dallas, Charlie. It so, can't have it that way because the Giants play first. Oh, we do. Giants play no, at one no, o'clock. That, Washington yeah. is playing the Sunday night game, so you're going to have to take care of your game first. I'm sorry, right. Charlie. You want to hear something what? funny? You bring up the pick sure. or the or yeah. the uh, or the playoffs. I was just yeah. reading on Twitter that Patricia Trania, Trania is that her name? Yeah. She, yeah, she, she put she yeah. put a, a a poll question up there with those exact questions. <laughs> And it's yeah. 49 and 50%. <laughs> and 49% wants to go to the playoffs and 59 and 50, excuse me, 49 wants to go to the playoffs and 50, you know, percent wants the top five draft pick right down the middle. <laughs> All right. I mean, I mean, just like you were talking about, Paul, I mean, if we're going to, you know, Tampa Bay is going to come marching in here. I mean, the Rams, if they came marching in here, then we might have a shot at the Rams, especially if Goff is, you know, half, you know, is, yeah. Well, Charlie, okay. I, I would only say this because we got to run. I would only say this. Yeah. Tampa Bay had a game, a primetime game at MetLife Stadium earlier this year. 
And yeah. my goodness, uh, they were lucky to escape with their hairs on their heads that day. I know, but so, they're playing a lot better now. I understand. I now. understand. Have a great day, Charlie. Okay, we'll talk guys. to you again soon. Thanks. Thank you, Be Charlie. Well. Jeff, that's a wrap. Yes, Appreciate Paul, it thank as you. always. Yeah, as, well. as usual. Thank you, John, for producing the show. Uh, thanks to the callers, and thank you, Paul. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks for listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live today. It's been presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. As a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Dottino. So long, everybody.